Welcome to Disruptors. I'm Rob Moore, and we're going to do a review of the year interviewing the most disruptive people on the planet. This is probably our best year for podcasting in terms of quality of guests, craziness, and growth. So get yourself strapped in, because I'm going to go through the craziness, the disruption, the content, and the surprises of the last 12 months of the Disruptors podcast. It feels like 10 years ago, but it was about a year ago we rebranded Disruptors. So it used to be called Disruptive Entrepreneur because probably my greatest passion and my profession is business and entrepreneurship. I love interviewing and listening to and learning from and reverse engineering the traits of the greats, especially when it comes to business, finance, money, economics. But I realised that the world was changing and people needed more than just business and financial advice. They needed guidance. They needed inspiration. They needed some entertainment to get through these crazy years. And I didn't just want to limit myself to entrepreneurs because when you've interviewed 50 entrepreneurs and 20 billionaires, I'm not saying you know everything, but you can distill and model a general formula for success. But there are so many disruptive, interesting, unique people on the planet, and I wanted to learn outside of the sphere of entrepreneurship. I also wanted to grow the channel. And I didn't want you complaining when I interviewed some really crazy people and you're like, well, why are you interviewing them on the disruptive entrepreneur? I easily interviewed over 50 people in the last 12 months, so I can't talk about everyone. So we're going to pick the best parts of the last 12 months. So going back 12 months, the first person we interviewed of the year was Nigel Farage, Mr. Brexit, probably the UK's most controversial politician. I really enjoyed sitting down with Nigel because he's a great orator. He seems relatively honest, if a politician can be called honest. And I suppose because now he's not specifically campaigning for an individual party. He could really tell you what's going on in politics that other politicians couldn't. And I asked him about why are there not more business owners, leaders and entrepreneurs in government? Because surely that would be one of the greatest ways to create a thriving economy. And he said, well, they're not from Eton. And people in politics are mostly from Eton. And they look down their nose at the entrepreneur, the business owner and the small business owner. They are not part of the elite. They are not part of the proper system of politics. Nigel also referenced the corruption in UK politics and the careerism. One of the standout quotes of the year from Nigel Farage was, there are two types of people in politics. There's someone who wants to be someone and someone who wants to do something. And the politician who wants to be someone essentially wants to be a celebrity in politics, build a career in politics. It's not about policy. It's not about change. It's about being a careerist. But then there are the few that want to do something, change the world, do something meaningful, useful and disruptive. I want to interview people who want to do something, not just be someone who want to be disruptive, innovative and entrepreneurial for the greater good. To take risks, to create great change, to make the world a better place and dig the nation out of the mess, the mess that it's in. Nigel was a great first guest of the year for the theme of disruptors. Now, probably the lowest moment in the last 12 months on the Disruptors channel, not just in the last 12 months, but in the seven years plus of the show, was when our second interview with David Icke was going wildly viral. Hundreds of thousands of views a day. And then we got an immediate shadow ban. I mean, I don't know what the word shadow means, but it didn't feel like a shadow ban. It felt like a complete ban. And 
For months, our channel was in the wilderness. We couldn't get really any reach or engagement, despite the amazing guests that we were interviewing. And whilst the Nigel Farage interview, the first one, didn't go as wildly viral as it probably would have done where we weren't under a shadow ban, it was the first guest after the shadow ban, and I felt like that was the start of building the channel back up to what it is now. Early in the year, we interviewed Peter Schiff, who's been on Joe Rogan, I think, three times. He's a renowned economics and finance expert. And I loved how bearish he was on Bitcoin. He couldn't be any more skeptical about Bitcoin and is convinced that Bitcoin would go to zero. The funny thing was, at the time when he said that, Bitcoin was flying high and then not soon after it had a massive crash. Actually, most of what Peter Schiff predicted in the interview, it might be useful for you to go back and watch the housing crash, the economic crash, the crypto crash. It pretty much all came true. And I really enjoy conversations with people who are very smart in banking and finance and economics because the markets go through cycles. Those cycles do not change. They're relatively predictable. And maybe Peter Schiff was a bit of an oracle. Part of changing the brand from disruptive entrepreneur to disruptors was to be able to interview people who are disrupting and they're movers, shakers and change makers in the world. And certainly one of those is Jake Paul. Entertainer turned YouTuber turned boxer turned shit talker. And he was one of our biggest guests of the last 12 months. And I've not said this publicly because I don't really like to speak negatively of people publicly or privately. But he was probably one of the most disappointing people in terms of how he showed up to the interview. Probably at the time, it was one of my hardest interviews, though I hadn't yet interviewed Chris Eubank. But I can't say this for sure, but many people said that he was high when he turned up. He leant back on his chair like this. He couldn't have given any less fucks about being on the show. And what's disappointing is I made a considerable donation to his um, charity because he's big into anti-bullying. And I like to do my bit, so I donated a good sum to his charity. And I don't think he took the interview maybe as seriously as one would have liked. However, I didn't take it personally. And also, I think it made for interesting viewing. Our highest ever TikTok video was a cut of Jake Paul just answering all the different people who he would fight. I used to think that a win for an interview was a good interview, a disruptive interview, an interesting interview, an insightful, educational, inspiring interview. But frankly, some of our best, most well-researched and deepest practical content gets lost in the tens of millions of views we have. But the craziness, the awkwardness, the apathy, the controversy, that often gets the most virality or most people talking. And so for that, I'd probably say the Jake Paul interview was a win, even though it might be seen as a loss. When we have anniversary episodes, 500, 600, 700, 800, we like to bring a big guest or someone back who has been very popular. And the infamous king of sport, Barry Hearn, was our 800th anniversary special. Now, many people who are not just big celebrity glory hunters have told me that their favourite episode in nearly a thousand was the very first Barry Hearn episode we did many years ago. 
Barry is a dying breed of entrepreneur. He's old school. He likes to do business face to face. He likes combat sports and he likes combat in business. In fact, when asked live, how has entrepreneurship changed? He said, well, all the modern entrepreneurs don't wear any socks. And I always used to think that it was really important to wear your socks and pull your socks up. And no one's wearing the socks anymore. And Barry, of course, has his son, Eddie Hearn, who is probably a bridge between the old school raised by Barry and the new school of entrepreneur. But Barry Hearn, he embraces these YouTube fighters being in the sport of boxing. And whilst his strategies and tactics for business and entrepreneurship are old school, I think he's a little bit more progressive than he would make out. He's also become a good friend. He's into real estate like me. He spoke at one of our events live. We helped promote his book. And actually, one of the best things about running the Disruptors podcast are the amazing people I meet, stay in touch with and often become friends with. This last year, I'd not interviewed as many billionaires as I had the year or two before. So one of my top pick billionaires was John Cordwell. He's the founder of Phones For You. He has the most expensive residential real estate in London, multi-billionaire, philanthropist. He's advisor to top politicians, including Speed Dial to the Prime Minister. And I'd been chasing him for probably two years. So I was very excited when we got John Caldwell agreed to be on the show. So I had a really interesting discussion and debate with John Caldwell. And I was surprised at his answers. We talked about whether billionaires were net positive or net negative for society. We talked about the huge taxation and inflation and government mismanagement of funds. And I was actually quite shocked that he felt that um, billionaires were a net negative society, even though he is one. And also that he thought that people should be paying more tax, even though I think tax is outrageously high as it is. So, so there were some areas we did not agree around business and entrepreneurship. But I actually embrace and enjoy now the disagreements. So next, Matt Letizia. Now, Matt Letizia, before he got fired from Sky, you would just regard as a, a well-balanced football commentator and probably one of the most underrated football greats. But I wouldn't say anyone was really talking about him. And then he got fired from Sky for refusing to wear the Black Lives Matter badge among other things. And um, we got him on the show and it just blew up. And I was shocked and pleasantly surprised how open he was talking about cancel culture, freedom of speech, Black Lives Matter, and all these really topical issues that most people don't have the courage to talk about or would fear losing their career. I think because Matt had kind of got cancelled anyway, he had nothing to lose. But Matt really was one of the first guests we had that opened up to us exploring in more detail cancel culture and freedom of speech, which is very topical and a vital subject to discuss, not just in society, but on The Disruptor Show. Matt Letizia surprised me because many people who get cancelled, they get angry. They think it's unfair. They cannot see what they said or did to get cancelled. But Matt was very balanced. He said, well, I did the research and I didn't agree. And all I wanted was an open discussion. For example, Matt thought that perhaps the vaccines had something to do with the increase in heart attacks on the pitch. And he didn't say for sure that he was right. He just said that there's such an... Two of the most common questions I'm getting asked at the moment is where do I buy my watches? and where do I buy my gold? People don't know this, but I've invested in gold for 17 years. If you go back to 1971, the birth of fiat currency, the devaluation of money, money's gone down by 85% in value since then. 
but you could buy one ounce of gold for about $30, which peaked at over $1,500. Gold is a great defensive asset class. Gold is a great hedge against the matrix and the system. It's a great hedge against inflation. And I've finally found someone who I am now partnering and has become a sponsor on the show, and that is Josh Saul of The Pure Gold Company. He has a special offer where you can get a complimentary investor guide and book an appointment to get your own private consultation at pure-gold.co forward slash rob more. I buy my gold from this company. So if you'd like to just buy the gold or get the investor guide, go right now to pure-gold.co forward slash rob more. Big shout out to the Pure Gold Company for collaborating and sponsoring this episode. Increase at the same time. Why can't we have the discussion? Why can't we do more research? But of course, this was completely shut down by mainstream media and the governing bodies. So I was surprised at his balanced view. I wouldn't say I was surprised overall at the reaction because he's so balanced. He makes a lot of sense. I wasn't surprised how many people actually agree with him and support him. Matt Letizia was probably the post shadow ban apocalyptic turning point for us on Disruptors because he was a great surprise how much views and engagement we got with Matt. And I felt like we were fully out of the shadow ban and we'd been able to discuss freedom of speech, cancel culture, etc. without getting another shadow ban. Next, we had Martin Ford, probably the scariest, meanest looking bodybuilder, man machine, a tattoo on his face, a six pack on his face. And honestly, I was probably the most scared starting an interview I'd ever been interviewing Martin Ford. He's huge. Six foot 15, nearly 20 stone machine, ominous, overpowering. But he was a great surprise because one, he's really a gentle giant. And two, he was really open about discussing things like steroids, which most bodybuilders will not touch. So it was refreshing to be able to approach these more controversial areas like the scams in the fitness industry and steroids. And this was all just before the big outrage and scam broke out about liver king and taking steroids which was freaking obvious anyway our next guest was maybe our biggest guest caitlin jenner father stroke mother stroke other of the jenners and the kardashians and i was probably feeling i wouldn't necessarily say starstruck but for sure this was a list big time so we started the conversation with Caitlin with her, their tiredness of this woke culture. And as someone who's had a gender change, Caitlin, not me, by the way, and someone who's a Trump supporter, pro-guns, it was refreshing for someone to come out, probably before it was popular, and just push back against entitlement and people just throwing their outrage and emotions all over the place. So I would say that the discussions around the extreme left and the wokeness and entitlement was probably mostly kick-started by the interview with Caitlyn Jenner. 
Next on the agenda was Matt Hancock, probably one of the most hated politicians in the UK, just before he went on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And I wanted to interview him because I feel like politics in the UK is an absolute mess. And I felt like it's important for me to have political representation in Disruptors because it's the politicians that are running and, quite frankly, ruining our country. I don't think Matt Hancock is full of shit. I don't think Matt Hancock is misunderstood. He didn't want to talk about his affair, which felt a bit disingenuous that there's areas of his life that he didn't want to talk about, but that's his prerogative and he'd already talked about it. What I would say, though, in the interview with Matt was I definitely felt like I was interviewing a politician. Like, compare it to Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage was a relative open book, went deep into subjects, head-on answers to difficult questions. Whereas with Matt Hancock, there was a lot of spinning, changing, bobbing, weaving, ducking, diving and slipping and sliding on many of the questions that I asked. If you interview a politician, maybe that's to be expected. It was also mad because it was a busy day and we actually had to do the interview in two or three parts. We were hours late. See, you don't get to see behind the scenes. You don't know when the guests are late, when they mess you about, when the setup is rushed and difficult and that does impact the interview. Next on the show was Gazza, Paul Gascoigne, and I was really excited about this. I'm really fascinated by tortured geniuses, people who are clearly the best at what they do, but they have this difficult journey whereby their fame and their talent is really difficult for them to manage, and it's a curse as much as it is a gift. And I love diving deep into the story and into the pain as well as the success. So Gazza, for me, truly represented that. Like, if you ask many credible footballers, they would say Gazza is the best player or one of the best players England has ever produced. And meeting him, he was clearly still very ill or in recovery and still and clearly still quite bitter about how the press and media had treated him. He was also very open about how much money he just won in lawsuits for the phone hacking scandal. So many people who are famous or highly talented and the best in their field and been very successful, after their career, they find me, stumble upon me because of my business and entrepreneurship and financial books and, you know, my UK best-selling book on money. And they often ask for advice around managing money. Now, I'm not going to name drop, but there's a lot of them that I help. And I feel people like Gaza, if they'd had a bit more advice earlier on in their career and they'd either learn to invest and manage their own money or had people around them that they could trust to invest and manage their own money then when they transition out of their career they would be better set up financially i can't say that as his agent or manager i'd have been better for gaza than the people around him because when you're an alcoholic when you're a drug addict I mean, that's really difficult. We interviewed Paul Merson, who we'll come to in a moment, and he found a way to spunk his entire house deposit on gambling. And it's been really fascinating to interview Paul Gascoigne and Paul Merson, who I both want to thank for being so open about their addictions. So next on the list, we interviewed the inventor of the iPhone and someone who worked really closely with Steve Jobs for many years. And honestly, this was probably my most petulant, immature, and 
disrespecting guest. Now, I'm not going to mention his name out of respect, but the claim to fame for someone who's invented the iPod surely is working for Apple and working with Steve Jobs. And I wanted to set context because he wasn't really known for anything else. In fact, most people didn't really know him. And we had some common interests at the start and I thought the interview was going well and maybe he'd had a really busy schedule and he was a bit stressed. But as I was pulling out his story of his history with Apple and Steve Jobs, he just had a massive meltdown at me. Said, I want this part cut out. I don't want to talk about Steve Jobs anymore. I don't want to talk about Apple anymore. We are editing this out. We are not moving forward until all this is cut out. I want to talk about me. And this was not briefed in the pre-interview. And if you don't know who someone is, you need context before you go into their story. And he asked me to never publish that section of content. And out of respect, I didn't, even though it's great content. And it was my first guest that had a proper meltdown at me over pretty much nothing. And I'm looking forward to more of that in the future. Hey, look, I'm not in the game of shaming people. And um, if I make a promise not to publish content, I will keep that promise. I didn't make a promise to never talk about it. And I haven't talked about it. And I'm only doing it in a review. And I've not mentioned his name. One of the most disruptive people on the planet is Kevin Peterson. The most disruptive cricketer that's probably ever lived. Controversial. Lots of shenanigans in his story around falling out with his teammates. Was captain for a short term and then sacked from the captaincy. And feeding information to other countries like Australia and South Africa. Uh, yet I wanted to remember Kevin Peterson for being probably the best batsman to watch that I'd ever seen. And um, it was one of my favourites because he's a true talent, a true disruptor, probably not our most viral content. But hey, look, sometimes you just do content because you love it. And I'd recommend you watch that episode. A great thing about being the host of Disruptors. Yeah, it's great interviewing the celebrities and the wild viral sensations. But I get to interview my heroes, the people I love. And it's a bit of a selfish endeavour because... Kevin Peterson, I didn't really interview for you. I interviewed for me. And it's the same for Stephen Wilson. Now, most people don't know who Stephen Wilson is, but I love rock. And one of my favourite bands, if not my favourite band, is Porcupine Tree, who are maybe the baby brother of Radiohead and nowhere near as well known. It was an absolute pleasure. It was so much fun to interview my rock god, Stephen Wilson. And it completely surprised us because I thought it might get 10,000 views and just sort of sit there in the void of nothingness. But it hit 100,000 views really quick. People loved it. One of the best things for me, I don't really experience pride, but if I could say my more proud moments in disruptors is when I interview someone and so many people say that is the best interview I have seen with X. So certainly hundreds, maybe even a thousand people commented saying that is the single best Stephen Wilson interview. I have had hundreds of people telling me that is the best Andrew Tate interview I have ever seen. And that gives me the most pride. And, and I'm excited to tell you that I've got a round two coming out with Stephen Wilson next year for his new album release. He's really intellectual, really creative. We've become good friends. Uh, so watch this space. Andy invited me backstage to one of his concerts. The reunion of Porcupine Tree after all these years. So yeah, one of those moments. Next, the rise and fall of Paul Merson. Paul was connected to me by Matt Letissier. And 
quite frankly, it was one of the most moving. In fact, it's probably the second most moving episode we'd ever done, but at the time, the most moving. The most shocking, the most jaw-droppingly painful interview we've ever done. I want to say thank you to Paul Merson for opening up so much about addictions, about drugs, alcoholism and gambling. And whilst the content was shocking and some of the things that had happened, like he just recovered and then he spent the deposit for his house that him and his wife had saved over lockdown on gambling and, you know, how it essentially ruined his life, ruined the latter part of his football career. For him to be so open and transparent, I just want to say thank you. And if you haven't watched that episode, you need to watch the episode with Paul Merson. Probably the biggest interview of the year was Andrew Tate. Now, we got Andrew Tate just after he got cancelled. I think we were the third interview after his full cancellation and deplatforming. And Andrew Tate was a great surprise. Not in that we got millions and millions of views on the main interview and some other short form pieces. But he turned up 20 to 25 minutes early, stayed for three and a half hours plus. We stayed in touch. We've become good friends. We're doing a second episode together. We've got plans for an event in the UK and all these things that came off of a very misunderstood human being. So Harry, the producer of Disruptors and I went to Dubai. I used some of my air miles to get a cheaper business class ticket. We only stayed for 36 hours. So there's a bit of pressure because all the way out to Dubai, what if he cancelled? What if he got up halfway through and left? Because it has been known. So I felt a bit of pressure. We did loads of research. I already knew a fair bit about him. We also interviewed Mo Vlogs while we were out there. Um, probably the Dubai version of Mr. Beast, who's a, a great content creator. Overall, it was a wild success. And the opportunities that have come since have been great. I don't think he was quite as controversial, divisive and polarising as many people thought he would be. And like I said before, hundreds of people have said to me, that is hands down the single best Andrew Tate interview on the internet. And that gives me a great sense of pride and satisfaction. The real Andrew Tate and the caricature of Andrew Tate are not wildly dissimilar, but the caricature leverages controversy, is topical and intentionally pisses people off with extreme versions of otherwise pretty useful and valuable information to be an entrepreneur and a business owner. We had an at times pretty heated debate on real estate. I think I won that argument. We went through his systematic cancelling where payment providers, merchants, banks all shut him down within a 24-hour period, all the social media channels, email providers, you name it. It was shocking that Andrew stated that tens of millions of pounds were just frozen in his bank accounts for him to never be able to get back. If you haven't watched the interview with Andrew Tate, that should be the first one you go back and watch. So we land from Dubai in a long 36 hour round trip, bit tired, bit jet lagged. And within what, 48 hours, we're going down to London to interview Chris Eubank. Now, Chris would probably be in my top 25 desired guests ever. I love his showmanship, his skill in boxing, his self-confidence, his theater, his brand. He also really fits with the Disruptors concept. So I was nothing but excited about this. I thought he might be a bit slippery. He might be a bit abrasive. He might be a bit challenging, but this is going to be epic. I was not wrong about it being epic, but for very different reasons. He turned up five hours late. He moved the venue. When he turned up, 
he literally crawled at a snail's pace to walk with us. I didn't know if he actually was injured or if it was just part of the theatre. He was cold, rude, ignored the initial chat while Harry was setting up. We were in the smallest room ever. He was aggressive, combative, in my face. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I couldn't work out if it was the theatre. If Chris was... People did say he might be ill. I couldn't work that out. Or if Chris had changed. Or if this was how Chris really was like. But it is probably in moments, the cringiest, most awkwardest interview, not only that I've done, that you've probably ever seen. And I loved it. So when you plan an interview, you do loads of research. We try and pick out questions and content that isn't on Wikipedia or on other podcasts, which takes a lot of effort. And then you've got your running order. And I spend a lot of time on the order of the questions with Harry and what to include and what to exclude. And there are some interviews, not many, but some where after question one, you might as well just shut your laptop and just sit there and be in the moment and surrender to the process. And the Chris Bank interview was one of those. And I used to be a bit concerned, worried, even scared that that would happen. Worried about the long pauses. Concerned that I might not have some good direction to the show. But now I really embrace those moments. They're unique, they're individual, they're what everyone talks about. It helps me level up as an interviewer. Chris Eubank tried to control me, tried to shut me down, tried to stop me interrupting him, tried to make me just the, the little interviewer person. And you watch the interview and as it goes on, you can see me pushing back. You can see me wrestling for control for the interview. You can see me pushing to get answers where he would clam up about them. And I really enjoyed the challenge. And that's the closest thing to what it would feel like to be in the ring boxing Chris Eubank without throwing punches. So at times it got really heated, really combative. And I experienced quite a lot of hate in the comments, mostly around, should we have done that interview? Is Chris Eubank mentally well enough to do that interview? Well, look, he'd done other speeches and interviews before. And I'm not a doctor. And my dear friend's been spending a lot of time with him since and I think he's pretty good. He's had some trauma. And a lot of people, they, therapy for them is speaking about the trauma. Like with Craig Harrison, the world record sniper kill, who talking about his extreme PTSD is actually therapy and it does good. I'm not there to be judge and jury and to deem and judge whether he is ill or not. And... I honestly don't know. And we reviewed that a lot of times and we reached out to his family. But you know what? The hate, the criticism, it's all part of the game. I don't mind it. As long as I can sleep at night feeling like I did something useful and valuable and meaningful and interesting, I'm happy. Next was the most harrowing, painful, shocking interview we've done bar none. Craig Harrison, who for many years held the world record for the longest sniper kill. Um, he opened up about his extreme PTSD, his suicide attempts, the kidnapping attempts of the Taliban on his life, his forced emigration because of the threat to his life, how being in the military for so long and seeing all the death and destruction and pain that he'd seen had made it impossible for him to function in normal life, all the medication is on, 
the fact that he thinks about suicide every day, how it affects his relationship with his wife and his family. It was strangely really moving. Millions of views on TikTok. And um, it's a really amazing thing that Craig Harrison is doing because he runs his own charities to help other people. He strongly believes that not enough was done in the military and he's doing his bit. And I just want to say I salute you, Craig Harrison. Of the nearly a thousand episodes I've done, that was the most profound, deeply moving conversation we've had. Bar none. And we've had a lot. Next, Katie Hopkins, probably the most hated woman in Britain. Now, look, I don't mind interviewing people who are hated, people who are controversial, people who are divisive. A lot of people won't interview them. And so you don't really get a full breadth of society as an ongoing project. Um, and, and I'd already interviewed Katie. She's a bit slippery. An outrageous flirt. And pretty extreme in her views and her delivery of those views. But... The reason we interviewed Katie for a second time was because the world's become very woke and Katie Hopkins is considered right wing. So I thought this would be a very interesting conversation. She'd also been cancelled and deplatformed. I wanted to talk about that. I like talking about people who've been cancelled, deplatformed and silenced. I don't think people should be cancelled and platformed and I don't think people should be cancelled and deplatformed and silenced. I fight for people's freedom of speech, even if I don't agree with them, as long as they're not performing illegal activities, as long as it's not abuse. And I don't think Katie did anything illegal. And who's the judge anyway? And these are important discussions to have. In fact, in the first episode with Katie Hopkins, I did. I told her to get a podcast because you own your own content. And what happens if you get cancelled or banned from all the other social media? And she was like, nah. And then she got banned from all the channels. I reminded her of that. We also had probably the most sexually graphic outrageously inappropriate conversations on any show I've had. And when I say we, I mean her. There is one little thing I said. I'll let you watch the episode to find out. A hot topic in the world this last year is narcissism. What is a narcissist, a sociopath, a psychopath? Is there a narcissist in everyone? Are entrepreneurs narcissists? Most people in life seem to have had a run-in or five with a narcissist. And in fact, many people who publicly out and shame narcissists are narcissists themselves. I wanted to do some content on narcissism. So we had not one, but two guests who are experts in narcissism. And we discussed with Dr. Chetna Kang and Rebecca Fox, the subject of narcissism, how to spot a narcissist, how to disarm a narcissist, how to tell the difference between a narcissist, a sociopath, a psychopath. I really enjoyed these conversations. They were highly surprising. And because we can all relate to having a run in or two with a narcissist, you should go check out those interviews. And here's something interesting. Do you know the highest search tag on Rebecca Fox and Chetna Kang on narcissism, specifically on YouTube, is how to hurt a narcissist. I think that is an indicator of where we're at in society. Isn't it ironic that people have had narcissists hurt them, yet they want to hurt them back? Does that make them a narcissist? I asked the question, are all these people who think they've had experiences with narcissists, narcissists themselves? I'll leave you to ponder that paradox. 
That's just a selection of some of the great guests I've had on Disruptors in the last year, not forgetting Jordan Peterson and David Goggins and the most famous actress of Game of Thrones and all these amazing guests I had, David Ike, before the last year. So my question to you is, who's your favourite guest of the year? What did you like the most about them? Who's your favourite guest of all time? What did you most like about them? And who would you like to see me interview 2023 and beyond? We've got a bigger, badder, sexier, more controversial, more divisive year beyond 2023 planned. We are bringing it and you need to be on board. So before you go, make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, turn the notification bell on. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.